James Franklin will always talk about 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, Well, it's Tuesday. I'm ready to declare them 1-0 against Illinois. Illinois, I don't think they're coming to play on Saturday. I, I don't I don't see any good situation for them. Franklin would not like to hear that, but I mean, come on. This Illinois is quickly turning into a bit of a joke. Do you get do you get in a situation where you just start throwing out walk-ons? This is a game that Penn State is going to win. Hello and welcome into another episode of The Lion Slayer. I am your host, John Sauber, and I am joined by Kyle J. Andrews and our wonderful producer, Noah Reif, uh, who is here and in person with us. Uh, Kyle, listen, we might we might just want to spend like 45 minutes to an hour eating crow um, after some of the things we said last week, but uh, how you doing? Well, instead of eating crow, I'm going to make fun of Noah for not wearing overalls. Um, I'm kind of surprised that he didn't wear striped overalls this uh, podcast, um, but uh, you know. Listen, we somebody's got to eat the crow here, and if it's got to be me, then then it's got to be me. <laughs> it's gonna be me too. Well, we we both uh, we let's see. Last episode, we didn't spend much time talking about the matchup between Penn State and Illinois because some of the quotes were things along the lines of like, "This game's already over. They don't have a chance. I could start a quarterback." So on and so forth. And boy, I believe we I believe wrong. you also said that uh, I could I could start a safety. Yes. Yes. So, and I, I mean, you could still start at safety. Yeah, because I don't it, I don't necessarily think it was on. I mean, as much as as many yards as the defense let up, the points was that wasn't that bad. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. We'll get into all of this because now it turned into a game that we have to talk about quite a bit after not talking about it at all last week. Uh, Penn State, of course, losing a homecoming matchup to the Illinois Fighting Illini, uh, it, arguably the worst team in the Big Ten, in nine overtimes, twenty to eighteen. It was painful. Uh, I had to rewrite my story several several times. That was not an enjoyable experience. Uh, I had to watch the game. That was not an enjoyable experience. And I think from anyone objective, uh, objectively speaking, they, they were not having fun. Um, but we may as well start start there and get into this game that we didn't touch on at all last week, and 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 touch on the thing sort of that that is the reason all of this went down, and that's the decision to start Sean Clifford at quarterback. Uh, Kyle, what do you think of the decision? Uh, what do you think of how it played out? And what? listen, we have the benefit of hindsight, but what decision would you have made? Well, I would have liked to see if I'm, you know, if I'm them, I would have liked to see what you can get out of uh, Christian Veyu. Um, I was thinking just mainly because if, you know, it, it seemed to me that and I and I could be completely off base with this, but it just seemed to me that James Franklin wasn't inspiring a lot of confidence in Taquan Roberson at quarterback. You know, Franklin said uh, a lot without saying much about Roberson uh, after after the Iowa game. He said a lot while saying a lot. Um, basically, that you know the cadence issues were, you know, not an issue until Roberson went in the game and putting blame squarely at his feet. Um, said several times that that he did not pull away and the competition for the backup quarterback and basically said that he should have by now given his experience advantage and kind of basically said that Roberson wasn't ready, uh, said that he couldn't do it. And and when I asked Franklin in the postgame press conference if they ever considered pulling Clifford because of the injuries, because of the injury and because of the, his limitations, he was he was pretty succinct, right? Like he said that he thought Clifford gave them their best chance of winning. And if that's the case, that's pretty damning for Roberson. 
Yeah. And honestly, if I'll be completely frank, too, if I'm Roberson and Bayou, I mean, you got to consider the fact that you have two quarterbacks coming in next season. Um, I don't think either one of them isn't necessarily I, I looked at I've I've looked at both of those guys play and you know I know it's high school football but I mean Drew Alar looks like I mean hey I I don't know but he looks he, like he would start for them this year yes he looks like one of the best quarterbacks and I mean he would be one of the better quarterbacks in college football if he played this season now if he next season um it's going to be really interesting to see him play I mean he his, I, if if you're Roberson, you have to think about your exit plan soon, right? Well, and, and I think you know the. I, I, generally, I, I hate talking about these kids entering the portal because you know you don't want to. At the end of the day, they are kids, right? And, and they, right. you know, making these decisions are hard, and it's, it's a tough thing to speculate on. But I will say, you know, there's there's probably going to be a crowded depth chart next year, and, and who knows what will happen from there. Um, and Franklin doesn't seem to be projecting much confidence in Roberson as a quarterback. That being said, can't imagine he would have done worse than Clifford. Like, I still think, again, with the benefit of hindsight, and even honestly, after watching a quarter of the game or maybe the first half, they could have gone to Roberson, maybe should have gone to Roberson at the very least once they got to the third overtime because Clifford just had no mobility. He couldn't move uh, really well at, at all, whether he had you know, a, a rushing lane or whether he, whether he was trying to navigate the pocket Things just weren't there for him because he couldn't make them happen. Um, and the threat of Roberson running the ball would have opened up the offense in a way that, that Clifford, frankly, just wasn't able to. Uh, he, he seemed to struggle with his accuracy because he was in pain. He seemed he definitely struggled running with the ball because he was in pain. Um, every time he got hit, he was he was staying down a little longer. He was wincing. He was grabbing his, his sort of right side um, and sort of trying to stretch it out almost and, and just looked like he – I mean, I'm sure he wanted to be out there. But he looked like he sort of wasn't fit to be out there. That being said, I'm not on the training staff. I'm not making those decisions. I'm, I'm sure he was medically cleared to play. Uh, I have no doubt about that. But still, I I would think that the coaches should have made the decision to, once they saw how he was limited from a football standpoint, to go with a different quarterback. Yes, and he just, I mean, he he looked in pain every time he took a hit, every time he fell to the ground, every time, you know, somebody, just a thud of pads. Um, you know, wouldn't get some. It, it didn't look good. And, you know, to me, I just I just feel like in those situations, either you have to figure out, a, I mean, because they were stacking a box against the run. <laughs> like, I mean, the run is wasn't going anywhere anyway. And then when they didn't stack the box against the run, the thing is, like, I mean, he couldn't pass deep either. So it didn't even necessarily matter. I mean, uh, I, I don't recall Clifford throwing a pass over 15 yards in the air. I, I, I remember a few that he threw. I don't remember any off the top of my head that were completed. You know, the the long touchdown to Keandre Lambert-Smith was a slant. He threw it 12 yards downfield. Um, but, yeah, like that that lack of um, playing like he usually does m- makes it tough to to play, right? Like it, if you can't play like you usually do, you're having to change your game, and it's probably not for the best. Um, and I would, I would definitely argue that it wasn't for the best for Penn State on Saturday. Roberson, for all of his flaws, like I said, could have at least presented a different dimension than Clifford did. Um, and Clifford ended up, you know, sort of, it, it played out kind of how you thought it would. He finished 19 of 34, uh, passing for 165 yards. The yards per attempt there is is about five. 
uh, also known as not good. Uh, and just the offense was not in a position to succeed. And at, really at no point were they. Um, the defense was, and the defense did succeed, but uh, well, in, in certain facets of the game anyways. But the offense, at, at no point did you sort of feel confident watching that, that game that they were going to be able to drive down the field and, and get a score when they needed it. Yeah, and I mean – that that's unacceptable, right? I mean, it. I mean, a lot of it stems from the fact that they're not a balanced team. I mean, and usually you have to have if if you aren't a balanced team, one side of the ball, I guess, one portion of your offense has to be elite to make up for that, and they don't have that. I mean, they don't have an elite passing game, and when your quarterback's hurt, and when you when you, when you have a good passing game and your quarterback's hurt, and now he's trying to press a little bit. I mean, they know it's coming. Plus, the offensive line isn't blocking well when it comes to the run game. I mean, they've just been. I can't. I can't stress enough how poor the offensive line has played under. You know, when and when it comes to run blocking, and that's. And you know, I, I think at some point though that they've just got to not abandon it entirely, but just accept that that's who they are. Yeah. Right. Like. And, and you're sort of beating a dead horse when you try to run over and over and over again. And again, that's why playing Clifford over Roberson hurt them even more because it meant they were going to have to run the ball more because he wasn't mobile enough. Yeah, and that that stinks for them. I mean, like, I just think in their situation, you know, I think Roberson would have given them a better chance to win, at least in a run game, because, you know, you have to respect his legs too. I I know Clifford, you have to respect his legs as well, but – when he's hurt, you know, it's, it's not the same thing. But Roberson, at least, uh, you know, healthy. He's, he's at least a healthy quarterback. Um, and then I look at Veyu, I mean, his arm looks good. So, you know, either way, I mean, it looks a little bit better. And I think sometimes when, he, when you do have a quarterback that gives you the threat of running, especially when you're, you know, that's what you want to kind of rely on, which I think if they had put Roberson in, you know, I think his his running game is just as as good, if not better, than than Clifford's. Well, I it's mean, definitely better when Clifford's injured. Yeah, and is and is definitely like exactly, and it's definitely better if Clifford. I mean, if and not only that, but if he if Clifford's missing on long throws, what does it matter? You know, if you're getting a healthier Roberson who can run, and he's. I mean, maybe he's throwing the ball just as deep as Clifford throwing five yards. They still would have won with a five yard. You know, if you're throwing slants and you could hit guys in stride, I mean, it doesn't matter. You could, I mean, you could do that all day, but it just seemed like, um, you know, Clifford also, when a line collapsed, he was just, I mean, he was, I mean, he, he was a sitting duck when the line collapsed, and that's not usually who he is. Yeah, and, and the mobility aspect of that, right, is obviously really important. Um, but the 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 mobility, like he tried to be himself early in the game, took two hits from Owen Carney. Well, the first one was from Owen Carney, at least I don't remember who the second one was from, uh, and pretty quickly got down after that, right? Like he was not trying to take those hits anymore, and I don't blame him. Um, you know, he, he has an injury that seemingly is getting worse, or not seemingly getting worse, seemingly was putting him in pain whenever he took a hit. So, you know, whatever that may be, he... He obviously didn't want to, to sort of add to that pain. Uh, and, and like you said, Roberson, listen, at the end of the day, Illinois isn't good, wasn't good, still isn't very good. Uh, Roberson would have been good enough to beat them. 
and injured Clifford was clearly not. And I just have to wonder why the decision wasn't made at some point to go to Roberson because, you know, let's say let's say Roberson is a worse option. You are not producing anything offensively with Clifford in. How much worse can it really be? And if it's that bad, then you can go back to Clifford if need be. Uh, or and, and I think this was this is something I talked to other people about that I think probably would have been the right decision. Start Roberson in the game. If things go poorly, then you put Clifford in as sort of a last resort because that is much easier to yeah. swallow, you know. And then you try and get through the game with Roberson. If you can't, you can't. And but you at least tried it and gave yourself the opportunity. And and then in overtime. Listen, when you go to nine overtimes and you score a total of, what, eight points, completely unacceptable. Like, just a, a complete failure by the offense. Clifford had no mobility. Uh, they, they ran that, that trick play with, with Tyler Warren and the, and the Wildcat, I believe. I don't remember exactly how it developed. I've, I'm Like, a lot of people blocked out a lot of that game. Uh, but they, they had Warren throw a pass to Sean Clifford, and he couldn't catch it. Uh, it the, the throw wasn't perfectly on target. But a more mobile guy might catch that yeah, pass. Yeah, Taquan Roberson's walking into the end zone with that pass. Right. And, or at least coming back to the ball. Right, and that's the know? thing. Clifford couldn't come back to the ball. Like, yeah. It was a little bit to his to, uh, to to the sideline, more than you would want that throw to be. But he just couldn't go get it because there was no, no mobility there, and it falls incomplete. Um, and they, they move on to the next overtime at that point. But just like so, so many things went wrong for Penn State's offense, and all of it can be traced back to the fact that they either didn't have a backup quarterback that they trusted or they didn't trust a backup quarterback that would have done better than than uh, an, an injured Sean Clifford. And so I think either of those reasons, whichever it is, like at the end of the day it falls at the feet of the coaching staff. Uh, they, they had to be better, either better prepared for that situation or make a better decision in that situation just – not something you can allow to happen, again, against a bad Illinois team. Uh, Brett Bielema on Monday last week threw his team under the bus, said that the offensive linemen were not good, said that his team wasn't good, and then they came to Penn State and beat Penn State. Uh, that's And you saw a lot of the reaction on Twitter from this, but that's a really embarrassing loss for Penn State, and there's no way around it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just mind-boggling and, the death just, you know, that, I mean, that was, that was really evident on when it came to, you know, quarterback position, when it came to offensive line, because in, with a team with more depth, if somebody's not giving you enough, you can go to someone else. You know, when, for instance, Alabama, when Tua went down, Jalen Hurts came back in. We all know the drill on that. Um, or even the first time when Jalen Hurts wasn't playing well yeah. in the national title game. Tua came in and won them a national title. So, I mean, that's just not ideal for them. I, I just – when you have a situation where you don't have the depth and, um, you know, guys get injured or guys don't play well and you can't replace those players, I mean, that that really hurts you. And I think this is a situation I think that will be a little bit more unique to this year because I think the depth is coming. But – you know, it takes years to build it. Though. It takes death. I mean, yeah, it, it does. It, and, and like one recruiting class doesn't make a team, right? Like, right. Like and and you I can believe get the next recruiting class after that will be, you know, good as well too. It won't, I don't know. I don't think it'll be number one. I but. think two years is an awful lot to project forward at this point with the current yeah. state of the program. You know, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit here soon. But real quick, I wanted to touch on the defense. Um, the run defense was atrocious. I, I don't know that I blame a single player for that, though. Uh, we all saw Illinois go to that jumbo 12 personnel, right? 12 personnel is one running back, two tight ends. 
except instead of two wideouts to go with it, they had two extra offensive linemen uh, just going absolutely massive, and at no point did Penn State adjust personnel-wise. They kept trotting out their base defense, and they kept getting run all over. And it shouldn't have been that surprising, frankly, because of that, that Illinois ran for over 300 yards. And yes, the tackling should have been better. Yes, they, they missed assignments. But like at the end of the day, if you're not set up to succeed, you're not going to succeed as a, as a college athlete. And, and I, I think Brent Pride's an excellent defensive coordinator, is one of the better defensive coordinators in the country. But I think he had a bad game on Saturday, too, and that showed. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, maybe it was I look at I look at the personnel and I and, you know, I don't think I don't think any of these defensive tackles had horrible games. I don't. I just think they got punished. You know, I, I think that they had it, it seemed like they had the, the million man march on the offensive line. It was a, it was a ton of guys. And, uh, you know, those <laughs> those offensive linemen were just I mean, it was it was like eight, nine offensive linemen. It seemed like at times. I mean, it well, was, it was actually seven, which is yeah, pretty which crazy. Is insane. Like they and they the, again to not have an answer to that is to me it's it's inexcusable uh, yeah. to not have some. I mean, throwing some, more tackle defensive, to, and I understand the depth isn't ideal right now, but at least throwing more ends. Listen, there there are ways to get around it, right? Yes. Like they have, you know, they may not have uh, good depth, but they have numbers, and frankly, numbers would have helped up front, uh, yeah. and that's what they really needed. Chase Brown, Josh McRae, good running backs, not good enough to run for basically a buck fifty apiece. Yeah, it was worse uh, than that against Auburn Penn State's game. Defense. And Auburn's running backs are better. I mean, it, and it's clear that they're better. Yeah, and, and and that's I think what makes this so sort of shocking, right? That and and, and a lot of guys have said this week, a lot of Penn State defenders that. They, they weren't prepared for, for that formation. I think that's fair. Illinois hadn't put that on tape at all. But, like, after watching it happen for a half, you go into halftime, well, they're probably going to keep doing it because they had so much success within the first half. And there was still no adjustment. Uh, the only adjustment that was made was <laughs> Illinois, for some reason, in the overtimes, decided to stop running the ball, even though they had a ton of success running the ball all game. And that probably prolonged the game more than it should have. Reasonably, they could have probably closed it off even sooner. But their quarterback play was as about as uh, about as bad as it gets frankly, between uh, Arthur Sitkowski and, and Brandon Peters. Sitkowski, of course, going down with the injury, uh, the, the the rough-looking injury to his, what looked like his wrist is out for the season and getting two surgeries in the offseason. But still, like, the, the the offense was not there for Illinois to win the game, and, and Penn State sort of let them back in it. So uh, just a brutal all-around performance for Penn State. The lone bright spot was that pass defense was all over the place uh, for Penn State. just didn't matter much when Illinois wasn't throwing the ball at all. Yeah, I mean – to be fair, who did Illinois have at quarterback? Both, I mean, and that's no offense. No offense yeah, Sik- to Arthur Sikowski because I hope I hope he's okay. Too, I know he broke his wrist, or it looked like he broke his wrist. Um, you know, I hope he's all right. But let's be completely frank here. They're just not. They don't have great quarterbacks at Illinois. Eight of 19, 38 passing yards, two yards per attempt. Yes, from Sikowski, not great. Um, but they won, and again, it's be, it's in large part because of the failure of Penn State more than anything else. But let's move on. We I, have, I have one question before before you two do move on. Kirk Ferentz uh, just oh boy. in his press conference a little bit ago talked about how he hates the new overtime rules in college football, especially after watching this record-breaking nine-overtime game between Penn State and Illinois. Is there is there any thoughts that either of you two have on that? 
Yeah, uh, I mean, James Franklin put it well. This this isn't indicative of how this is supposed to go. The rule isn't supposed to do this. Generally, the offenses are just supposed to be better and end it sooner. The game should have ended sooner. So, uh, I mean, if they're all going to go to nine overtimes, sure, I guess I hate it too, but this just isn't going to happen. Most will probably be over within three or four overtimes. I personally think they should change the rule um, back to what it used to be. I actually thought that rule was a little bit better. I mean, unless... You want to go to NFL rules and um, just... We, we don't need to do that. We don't look, need to ruin it. Look, if you want to go to NFL rules and go to the playoff rule that they have in the NFL, I mean, forget it. Let's just go for it. But another thing I'll add to it is that I don't care what Kirk Ferentz has to say. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I'm, I'm done talking about Kirk Ferentz. I, I think that's probably a good place to leave that discussion. I know uh, he's every Penn State fan's favorite coach. Yes, just, just the best Kirk <laughs> Ferentz is. Uh, everyone adores him so much. Uh, but no, time to pivot to someone else that is universally adored right now at Penn State. And that is James Franklin, uh, who spoke today at his weekly press conference recording on Tuesday. And... Uh, Said a lot. Um, we can get into a lot of this. He, you know, there were there was something I think that stood out though, and that he 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 talked about his one no mantra uh, a decent bit, and mentioned that the team was focused on Illinois, and he said that twice, which is not ideal when you play Ohio State on Saturday. Um, and it's a slip of the tongue, and it happened twice, and you know it's two slips of the tongue. Then right, I don't think this is a pervasive thing. Um, I do think it might indicate a lot of sort of the emotional tool that and the the mental tool that the last couple weeks have taken on a lot of people right like he he seemed like a guy you know for whatever reason that wasn't as focused that wasn't as upbeat that wasn't as energetic and and frankly I don't blame him for that I think a lot of people are trying to connect that to oh he's definitely leaving because he's not focused I think he's probably just really worn down after losing to the worst team in the Big Ten but that's just me yeah I mean that's that's the thing like he's he's tired um, you know, he's I mean, he watched a lot of tape on Sunday. It seemed like based off of listening to the presser, I mean, he, he seemed like he it was like ad nauseum. He watched tape and he was, you know, I can only imagine if, if you're in a situation like that where your team loses to your seventh, the seventh ranked team in college football in the FBS, at least. And you lose to an Illinois team that whose coach honestly threw everybody under the bus. We talked about that last week. And so, I mean, that has to hurt. That does. And I can only imagine what's going through his head right now. And, you know, I know you're not supposed to have sympathy for, you know, people that you're covering, but it's pretty tough not to, to, to not think about like some of the things that he's had, to endure over the past couple of, of days, especially, um, you know, seeing I've seen some really ugly comments from people. Yeah, he should not log into Twitter. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I I mean, I think it's good to empathize with anyone, whether you cover them or not. I think that gives you a better understanding sort of, of that person and where their thought process is. Right. And, you know, I think, again, this has probably just been a rough few days um, to get to the substance of, of some of the things he said today. Um, he was asked about changing agents from Trace Armstrong to Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy Sexton, a big-time power broker in college football, represents Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, a bunch of guys, every, almost every big-name college football coach you can think of. Um, he also now represents Franklin. Franklin said that is something that happened over the summer, even though it was reported on Monday. It is not something that happened Monday. I think a lot of people connected sort of, oh, he's changing agents midseason because he's about to you know, take a job elsewhere. It happened before the year. 
I think you can sort of dismiss the connection um, from that standpoint. Uh, you know, that being said, he he was asked pretty directly by Audrey Snyder of The Athletic if he was committed to being the Penn State head coach next year and answered pretty indirectly, uh, talked around the question, said the last eight years show his level of commitment, but didn't really say he was committed to being here next year. Um, and I think that says quite a bit. Yeah, and yeah, we we still – of course, we're not gonna we're not gonna get into the heavy speculation. Of course, but you know, it's hard not to when all the stuff is going on, right? And, and I think I think what is listen for there there are reasons to not fully say he's oh I'm going to be the head coach of Penn State in 2022. Whether he's you know wants facilities upgrades or he wants larger assistant pool or whatever it is, it's a bad negotiating tactic to say, no, I'm going to be here no matter what, and then lose all of your leverage with the athletics department. That being said, uh, it is it, – it, he's been here for eight years. He's had a lot of success in eight years, but he has never gotten over uh, the the sort of the, the, the hump that the team needs to get over to to reach that college football playoff level. And guess what? After that loss to Illinois – it's not happening this year either. Their their college football playoff chances are gone. They're not doing it again. And he wants to be the first black head coach to win a national title, and it's not going to happen in twenty twenty one. Yeah, not with this team. Um, you know, I, I just I mean it's tough because I think they have they have a talented group of kids on this team, um, and uh, you know I, I just think that it's going to be. I mean, I think I think that to be fair with Franklin is that like we said earlier, I think he needs to continue to build depth. And I I mean, no one was kidding themselves when they, no one, yeah, no one kid, kidded themselves when they were saying like that Frank, I mean, that they could win a national championship this year. Like some people, I know some fans were like, well, at the beginning of the year, we're like, oh yeah, this team looks great. I, I don't see why they couldn't beat some of the best teams in the country. And I'm like, hold your horses right now. And I, I think it takes years to build that. I just don't think that they have – they didn't have the depth yet. Like, I mean, we mentioned that earlier. They don't have the depth. They don't have – I think you need you need elite play – like more than just Jahan Dotson. It can't just be Jahan Dotson. And for as good as Keandre Lambert-Smith and Parker Washington are, Ohio State has Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, right? And uh, they, they have plenty of options behind those guys too, right? And they're well, – We thought the tight ends were going to be – great this season and you know there have been drops easily easily the most disappointing position group on the team yeah uh no production in the receiving uh in the receiving game no production as, as run blockers or even pass blockers when they're asked to help just like a total disaster right now for the tight end room um i think that is something that that should concern franklin and that should concern you know the 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 staff like the lack of development there for them from those tight ends and the lack of production too um, but yeah, I, I think it, it, it would be, you know, like you said at the, at the jump, it's a little reckless to lean into any of the speculation right now. I think there are credence to both sides of him wanting to stay or him wanting to leave. Um, ultimately, it's his decision to make, but I would venture to guess he hasn't made that decision yet in late October. Uh, whenever that decision comes, we will talk about it and we will talk about the ramifications of it, but we're just not there yet right now. Um, where we are at is at Ohio State. Um, and I got to tell you, this does not feel like the end of the slippery slope. This feels like they're going to continue down the slippery slope. So Ohio State is what Penn State aspires to be. And I understand that people will, from the outside, of especially that aren't, um, 
you know, part of this podcast, they'll probably say, well, we hate Ohio State. Why would we want to be like them? I'm just talking about the football field. That's all. That's it. And this Ohio State football team is a very talented team. They're very, I mean, they have depth at every position, it seems like. I mean, the fact is, of the matter is they were talking about benching C.J. Stroud at the beginning of the season when he had a couple of iffy performances. And C.J. Stroud, let's be completely honest, if he was at Penn State, he'd probably be the starter. I don't think that needs to be a problem. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's just, it is what it is. So, that that's the thing about Ohio State. We We knew they are who we thought they were. You know, shout out to Denny Green, God rest his soul. But, um, you know, that Ohio State is Ohio State. They're one of the best programs in the country. They're strong at every single position. And, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything because I, I don't want to, you know, spoil the prediction. But, uh, yeah, that yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is for Penn State is. They're inferior essentially across the board, right? Like, and the argument for Penn State is is that the defense is better, and it is. But the Ohio State offense is better than the Penn State defense, um, and that's because Ohio State has the number one offense in the country, according to Bill Connolly's SB Plus. It's a predictive measure, you know, forward facing uh, of of college football efficiency. And if listen, if Ohio State scores twenty one, the game is over. I do not believe that Penn State can keep up with this this Ohio State offense by any stretch. And, and I know James Franklin said that Sean Clifford's they expect Sean Clifford to be 100% for Saturday's game. I don't know how much I buy that, uh, given what we just watched unfold on Saturday. So this is an Ohio State team that, again, best offense in the country. Travion Henderson is far better than, than Chase Brown and Josh McCray. Uh, should have a field day running the ball against Penn State and – and, and that should be enough, uh, not to mention the, the immense talent at wide out. C.J. Stroud at quarterback is better than Sean Clifford is. They have a good enough defense that, that struggled earlier in the year but has gotten better of late, and I, I frankly don't think Penn State can hold a candle to Ohio State this weekend, especially with how the season is sort of unraveled. I don't think anyone in this conference can hold a candle to Ohio State. I mean, and, and let's be completely honest. Like, I, I mean, I've had people tell me Michigan's going to beat Ohio State at the end of the season. Okay, whatever. That's not happening. I'm slowly coming around on Michigan. I don't want to. I don't want to admit that too loudly. Uh, I still don't believe in Michigan State, but I'm not saying they're going to beat Ohio State. But that's probably a top fifteen team in the country. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think Michigan. If they if they are if they do beat Michigan State. I and they only lose one regular season on a game. I, I think that they're New Year's Six team. Um, you know, I think they play in like the Fiesta Bowl or something, and they'll probably give some teams, um, you know, a run for their money. If not, beat most of those teams, especially if you put like a, a, a undefeated. Um, you know, if you put like an undefeated team from a G5 school against Michigan, that would be a pretty fun matchup. Unless that G5 school is Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati would be. In which case they're getting steamrolled. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think this is uh, this was supposed to be a week that was supposed to be big for Penn State, right? Penn State was supposed to have its sort of Big Ten title hopes and playoff hopes on the line this Saturday against Ohio State. They were supposed to be waiting that where they fall in the college football playoff rankings and – Honestly, the game's going to end Saturday. Those rankings are going to come out Tuesday. 
And I don't think we're going to see Penn State in the top 25. And if we do, I don't know how deserved it's going to be. It might be a brand recognition type decision. Uh, it might be a, you know, okay, well, Clifford was hurt type decision that they're giving him the benefit of the doubt for. But odds are Penn State's going to be 5-3 and three after Saturday's game. I mean, that that's consensus between us three, honestly. I mean, I, I just don't see a scenario where Penn State beats this team, especially considering the fact that, you know, they look – I mean, their offensive line gets crushed by Illinois, who does not – I mean, Illinois doesn't have the same talent that Ohio State does on that defensive line. They don't. And I, I really like Owen. Owen Carney's a very great player. I mean, I, I like – or he's a very good player, and I really like what he does. And but, he was in the transfer portal and was had interest from Penn State before they got Arnold Epicady. Yep, and – this is that's the thing, you know. It, it's they sure could use an extra defensive end right about yeah. now. Yeah, they could use an extra everything. But maybe they need you on a defensive well, tackle, uh, D tackle. Let's not go. Maybe they far. also need me. I don't know. Let's, let's Didn't Clifford already uh, ask you, Kyle, Kyle hmm. to, to to jump in? Well, that was actually uh, that was actually James Franklin. He uh, he needs an extra offensive lineman, and it was more. listen. I love you. It was incorrect. <laughs> you would not have been helpful. <laughs> I mean, I would have been able to cut block somebody. If we want to call it that, sure. We both, yes, I, mean, I, would, have, I would have we thrown both could myself have, at the ground. We in both front could of, have lazily fallen into somebody. That is objectively true that we are both more than capable of doing that. I mean, yeah, possibly. You know, if, if I mean, if, if, if you if ever wanted enough, to do a, a tackle heavy enough. offense, I mean, you know, run six tackles out there, or six offensive linemen out there, I'll run out there. If, 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 listen, if they're quick enough, they're also just hurdling us as we go to the ground. Yes, that's slowly. also true. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been able to lock up with Carney. At Not all. a chance. Nope. Uh, but but let's go to the predictions here um, for what is probably going to be a pretty grim game in Columbus at the Horseshoe on Saturday. Saturday night, nonetheless. It's going to be a late night. Who do you got? Well, not who do you got. I know who you got. Final score of the game. Oh, man. Uh, I'll, I feel like I'm being really generous, but I also know that I'm going to be completely wrong when it's all said and done. And I mean, that's the name of the game after last week. We're just seeing who can be more wrong about what we say at this point. 35 to 10 Ohio State. Oh, man. That's awful close. I already registered my prediction. Of course, all of our game picks go in, uh, you know, the, the Senate Daily Times. Uh, you can find the... You know, that edition, I believe Friday, uh, you can find it online and you can find it in the newspaper. Um, but I went with 35 to 13. <laughs> Penn State, like, lucks into a touchdown and then gets steamrolled and Ohio State takes their foot off the gas at the end. I, I don't think Penn State has much of a chance in this game. They, they just don't have the offense. The defense is probably going to be exhausted from a high-paced uh, uh, Ohio State offense. And, and frankly, I, I don't think the 35 points is indicative of how good the Penn State defense will be this weekend. I, I just think they're going to be gassed most of the game. Uh, and, and you know, there's there's no answer to Travion Henderson for Penn State, um, especially after what we saw last week from Chase Brown and Josh McCray. That's all. I mean, <laughs> this is going to be it's going to be bad. Um, I, I mean, I think you think uh, I'm sure Noah probably feels the exact same way as us. And, 28 uh, to 0. Oh, oh go, that's my yeah. take. Going the goose egg. Jeez. Sean Clifford plays abysmally. That's my take. This is this is why Noah's a producer. Yeah, I, I have the worst takes. Yeah, that's correct. But that's why we love the takes. But that that's a good place to end this. Uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Lion's Lair. You can find Kyle and I on Twitter at, at KyleJAndrews underscore and at John Sauber. 
You can read all of our work at the Center Daily Times uh, at centerdaily.com. Uh, you can subscribe to Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast. Uh, Kyle covering women's basketball now. That season's about to get underway. Me covering men's basketball as well. Kyle also on preps coverage. Uh, thank you for tuning in and have a great day.